Good morning. Good morning. Welcome. He is indeed worthy of worship, and we are glad that you are here today uh, to worship God together. Um, how many of you are missing that hour of sleep last night? Most of us are. And I got—I was in Louisville yesterday and got home real late, and I'm missing lots of hours of sleep tonight. But you resisted the temptation of staying at home today, so pat yourself on the back. Good for you. Good for you. Glad you are here uh, to worship God together this morning. We welcome our guests especially. Uh, you're very important to us. We're glad that you are here and welcome you and hope you'll feel very much a part of our family. A few announcements I'd like to call to your attention. First of all, let me remind everyone of our attendance sheet on each row. We'd like to ask if you would to take that and to fill it out so we could have a record of your attendance with us this morning. We would appreciate that. Also, uh, we had a wonderful Fellowship Cafe today. Thank you for those who, uh, who uh, contributed to that and brought that to about and made that happen. We appreciate those times of fellowship, especially when it's surrounded by food. Uh, we enjoy that. Um, tonight we will be uh, playing volleyball and having pizza here at 6 o'clock, and that's always fun, and it looks like it's going to be a nice night for it. So, you know, we've been kind of hit and miss with our weather, but it looks like it's going to be a hit tonight, and uh, we'll, we'll be playing volleyball. But that reminds me that uh, if you would, those of you who are able-bodied, if you could hang around a little bit after the worship service and help us pick up chairs, we would certainly appreciate that. Uh, some other things that are coming up, uh, here at Community Baptist, uh, we will be hosting the Runway Red 
which is a ministry, well, it's a fundraiser for the Matthew 25 ministry uh, for AIDS and HIV. And uh, that will be on Saturday at 11 o'clock. And we have, a, I think we have two tables available uh, for folks to buy tickets. And so if you would like to participate in that and be a part of that, Please be sure to see Brittany. Brittany, wave your, wave your, wave your hand. Yep. Or you can uh, contact the church office and, and we'll uh, put you on the list of, of folks to be here on Saturday for Run Runway Red. Y'all try to say that real quick, okay? It's kind of hard. Another thing, um, on Wednesday, as you know, we have begun our Lenten season, which means that we have begun, uh, or we will begin this week, our... Um, tradition of having Lenten lunches with different uh, denominations, different churches from around town. And Wednesday begins that with the first Lenten lunch uh, at 12 o'clock at First Christian Church. Uh, it's a, we'll have a brief worship service about half an hour and then enjoy lunch together. So we invite you to come and be a part of that at First Christian Church this Wednesday. We'll be hosting it here the following Wednesday. Uh, but let's get it uh, started off in a good way on Wednesday at the Christian Church. And also, uh, some of us, uh, myself and, and Jika and, and uh, Mary Dunham and Kelsey Dunham, uh, spent this weekend in Georgetown or at Georgetown College uh, for a retreat, the Dawnings Retreat. Uh, we've been talking about that a long time. It was a wonderful experience, folks. And I've asked uh, Mary if she would... Uh, say just a few words about that, and, and we'll be hearing some more about it as, as time goes by. Yes, sir. <laughs> bossy, bossy, bossy. Um, Somebody didn't get her sleep last <laughs> I have been with you for three days. Just, I'm just kidding. I'm telling you, um, I got this job because Jake is at the piano, he's the preacher, and Kelsey's gone again on another trip. So I cannot do it justice. I don't know why I, it, Kelsey and I were called to go, but we were in... I, this is the definition of Donnings, because when we left and got in the car Thursday morning, it was a joke. We had no idea what we were getting into. But this is the definition that they gave us of Donnings. What is Donnings? Donnings is a process that offers to help your church see the world and your ministry within it with fresh clarity and purpose. Rather than offering a new program to try, so don't get scared, we're not going to, you know, have church on the lawn or whatever. Rather than offering a new program to try, Donnings helps your congregation develop skills, and don't get scared about that either because we've got it going on, that can transform how your church focuses its ministry and missions efforts. As your church participates in Donnings, it will enter into three processes, visioning, forming, and engaging. So I just wrote a couple of notes here. There were 16 churches in the Cooperative Baptist Fellowship participating, some as far away as Texas. And like I said, uh, we will be participating, but the best part, we're doing so many things right already. I don't think we know how lucky we are. We heard, we sat at our table and we heard how many churches are in conflict. 
And I must say, we've got the right person to lead us, and I'm sure you guys all believe that. But we are very, very blessed here. Um, we're doing so many things right, but we have so many chances to excel. And they gave us step-by-step on how to comfortably do that. Um, you know, the four of us, we talk so much within our table and with other churches. We cried some, but we laughed a lot. And I think that's what, what makes this church so special, because we are able to laugh a lot. Um, this is what I'm going to end with. What we learned and what all of you will learn is personal peace. And how many of us would love to find that personal peace? We're all crazy busy. We're all driving to work. We're all dealing with sick parents, sick kids, sick folks. In our, you know, just all that craziness. This is our chance to really, really experience church and find peace in our own lives. And what is peace? What's their definition of peace? It's very simple. Having a relationship with God and having a relationship with others. And we've got it going on here, folks. So, as Dr. Tim informed me, this is our time to stand up, just say hello to everybody around you, and just offer them a little bit of peace, as we do so well here. Days, oh, so 
Because here I am to worship. Here I am to come Here I am to say that you're my God. You're all together loving. All together worthy. All together wonderful to I'll never know how much it falls to see my sin upon that cross. I'll never know how much it falls to see my sin upon that cross. Cause here I am to work.
join me in the responsive reading. You were tempted in the desert for 40 days by the evil one. Yet you told him, why does not live in my bread alone? Please forgive us, Lord, when we request you with other things. You were tempted in the desert for 40 days by the evil one. Yet you told him, worship the Lord your God and serve only him. Forgive us, Lord. You were tempted in the desert for forty days by the evil one. Yet you told him, Do not put the Lord your God to test. Forgive us, Lord, when we test you Lord, please forgive us when we have not brought good news to the poor and have not proclaimed release to the captive. Lord, please forgive us when we have not proclaimed recovery to the blind, and have not let the oppressed go free, and have not proclaimed the year of the Lord's favor. Lord, please forgive us for not remembering foreigners, the widow at Zarephath, and Nama the Syrian, by thinking that only one nation deserves your blessings. Lord, please forgive us for not proclaiming the good news of the kingdom of God to the other cities also, by believing that the location in which we reside is the only place where you are Lord. Lord, please forgive us when we succumb to the temptations of the evil that tell us to neglect or pervert your desire that we should bring good news, proclaim release, proclaim recovery, set free, and proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Forgive us, Lord, and change us for your glory. These are the words of the Lord. Scripture reading this morning comes from the Old Testament as well as the New Testament. First, from Matthew, the fourth chapter, from verses 1 through 11. Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. He fasted for 40 days and 40 nights, and afterwards he was famished. The tempter came and said to him, If you are the Son of God, command these stones to become loaves of bread. 
But he answered, It is written, One does not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him to the holy city and placed him on the pinnacle of the temple, saying to him, If you are the Son of God, throw down yourself, for it is written, He will command his angels concerning you, and on their hands they will bear you up, so that you will not dash your foot against the stone. Jesus said to him, Again it is written, Do not put the Lord your God to the test. Again the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor. And he said to him, All these I will give you if you will fall down and worship me. Jesus said to him, Away with you, Satan, for it is written, Worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Then the devil left him, and suddenly the angels came and waited on him. And from the Old Testament, Genesis chapter 2, verses 15 through 17. The Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to till it and keep it. And the Lord God commanded the man, You may eat, freely eat, of every tree of this garden. But of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you shall not eat. For in the day that you will eat of it, you shall die. May God bless the hearing and the reading of these ancient texts this morning. morning. Pretty faces down here this morning. And a handsome face. Definitely, Gracie. Okay, so did you all hear what Nibby was just reading about in the scripture? A word called temptation. That's a big word. Can anybody tell me what temptation is? Anybody know? Or have you ever been tempted? Have you heard that word? Okay, so... If I'm tempted to do something, it means someone or something's making me feel like I should do something, even though I know I probably shouldn't. Okay? So let's say we're getting ready to have dinner, Sydney, but there's a big cupcake sitting right there, and I leave the room. Are you tempted to maybe eat some of it, even though you know you should wait till after dinner? Okay. That's tempted. And so, like, this morning, I had five little girls sleep at my house last night for a sleepover, and the time changed, so I was very tempted to stay home and maybe sleep longer. But what was the right thing to do? Come to church, okay? So that's what temptation is. Okay, today is also the first Sunday in Lent, of Lent, okay? And that's a special time for our church 
That's when we get ready for Easter, by learning about Jesus and following his way. So I'm going to read you a little story, and then we're going to talk about whether this girl, her name's Rachel, found a way to follow Jesus. One day, Rachel went for a walk along the river with her grandpa. They enjoyed hearing the birds sing in the trees. Every once in a while, a fish would jump out of the water just long enough to catch a bug in its mouth. It was so much fun to be with Grandpa. After they walked for a long time, Rachel asked her Grandpa if they could stop and rest. They found a fallen tree on a sandy beach. They sat down and ate the snack that Rachel's mother had sent them. While they were resting, Rachel noticed something sparkling in the sand. She ventured over to see what it was. It was a small rock with tiny flecks that sparkled in the sun. Rachel was very excited about the rock. As they resumed their walk, she collected several more sparkly stones. When she got home, she put her sparkling rock collection in a special place. About a week after Rachel had gone on the walk with her grandpa, she spent the afternoon playing at her friend's house. It was raining, so they played in her friend's room. And she noticed that her friend also had a sparkling rock collection on a nightstand by her bed. Her friend showed her the collection proudly, explaining where she found each one. One of the stones was more beautiful than any that Rachel had ever seen. She wanted that stone for her own collection. It would be so easy to stuff that stone in my pocket while no one's looking, Rachel thought. So when her friend turned her back, Rachel slipped that precious rock into her pocket. She played a little longer with her friend, but the whole time she was feeling really guilty. She started feeling so bad that her stomach started to hurt. Have you ever done something and you knew you shouldn't have done it and you started to feel kind of sick? Yeah, yeah. (laughs) That's what Rachel was doing, because she knew what she'd done was wrong. She took the rock back out of her pocket, and she gave it to her friend, and she said, I'm sorry, I took your rock. I know it was wrong. Please forgive me. So what do you think? Did Rachel find a way to be a follower of Jesus? That's right. She almost kept the rock, and she was tempted not to follow Jesus, but she knew what was right, and she was a follower of Jesus. So every day we're going to face stuff like this, right? We know we shouldn't do something, and even sometimes we may do it, and then we can go back and ask for forgiveness if we make that mistake, okay? So just like in the scripture today, the devil was trying to tempt Jesus. So even Jesus was tempted, okay? Everybody's going to be tempted. Jesus was strong enough to resist that temptation. So sometimes when you're tempted to do something you know isn't right, try to remember this story about Rachel and be a follower of Jesus. Okay? All right, now, I told you this is the first Sunday of Lent, which kind of kicks off Easter, right? So I have a little Easter egg in here for everybody. One says Jesus rocks. One says faith. One says WWJD. What does that mean? What would Jesus do? That's right. You can try to think about what would Jesus do. This one says trust in God. So I'm going to let you all take these. There is a little bit of candy in there, some jelly beans. Okay? Now, if you want to leave this sitting out in your, in your room, you can think about Jesus during Lent, during Easter and during Lent. Because sometimes we focus on the fun, like Easter bunny and the candy and the eggs. But if you want to leave this out, you can try to focus on Jesus and keep your focus on that. But once you open it, it's going to mess up your message. So you do whatever you want, okay? <laughs> I tell you what, I think I've got enough everybody can have two. So you can maybe open one today and kind of keep one until, until Easter. How's that sound? All right, y'all pick one out, or pick two out. Thank you.
morning. It's so good to see your faces this morning. What a difference one week makes. <laughs> Will you pray with us as we pray over the gifts we're about to receive? Heavenly Father, on this first Sunday of Lent, we give thanks for all that you have done and continue to do for us through the gift of your Spirit. You welcome us as part of your family, as members of your household. Help us always to show our gratitude, not only through the giving of these gifts, but also through our acceptance of others as a welcoming and loving community of faith. Please receive, bless, and tr transfigure our simple gifts in a way that will inspire all people to pro proclaim your everlasting and steadfast message of love. In the name of Jesus, your Son, we pray. Amen.
Oh, isn't that wonderful? I have, I have never heard that song when it does not send a chill up and down my spine. It, and I, I'm sure that many of you are the same way. Beautiful, beautiful. Thank you so much, choir. How many of you are familiar with Laurie White, the country singer? Some of you, some of you are familiar with Laurie White. She had a song uh, that was popular a few years ago in which she, she sang these words. Lead me not into temptation. I already know the road all too well. Lead me not into temptation. I can find it all by myself. It's a chorus that it makes us chuckle a little bit, but if we think about it, we understand that this is, is really a sobering statement about the human condition. Lead me not into temptation. I can find it all by myself. I heard about a man who went to a psychiatrist, and among the questions that the doctor asked him was, are you bothered by improper thoughts? And the man replied, nope, not bothered at all. Truth is, I rather enjoy them. (laughs) And we do enjoy them. Until, that is, they get us into trouble. Futurist Faith Popcorn, in her Dictionary of the Future, introduces a new term that has crept into the workplace. She calls it the boss key. Any of you familiar with the boss key? Nobody? I bet you are. Yeah, okay. Nibby is. I knew Nibby would be. Here's what she writes about the the boss key. She says, there you are, expanding your creativity and stretching the boundaries of your mind by playing a video game, and your boss has the nerve to walk into your office. No problem. Just hit the boss key, and you will return to a harmless-looking page of text. Now, I think I struck a nerve. (laughs) Now, why do we want our boss to see what we're doing when we're playing a video game on the company time? Well, it's probably for the same reason that Adam and Eve ran and hid after tasting the forbidden fruit. Temptation. It follows us to the office. It faces us in the cafeteria. It forces us to to say no to some of our most basic desires. It is as old as humanity itself. In fact, we can read about it in the second chapter of Genesis. The Lord God took the man and put him in the garden to work it and to take care of it. And God told the man, You are free to eat from any tree in the garden. But you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. For when you eat from that tree, you will certainly die. It says the serpent was more crafty than any of the other animals. And he said to the woman, did God really say that? Did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? And the woman said, we can eat from any tree in the garden. But God said, you must not eat from the tree that is in the middle of the garden. And you must not touch it or you will die. So the serpent said, you won't die. God knows that when you eat from it, your eyes will be opened and you'll be like God. You'll know the difference between good and evil. But when the woman saw that the fruit was good for food and pleasing to the eye and and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some of that fruit and she ate it. She also gave some to her husband and both of their eyes were opened and they realized that they were naked. And so they sewed fig leaves together and covered themselves. We all know the story. We all know the power of temptation. Even Jesus struggled with temptation. Matthew tells us 
that Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And after fasting for 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. The tempter came to him and said, If you are the Son of God, tell these stones to become bread. And Jesus answered, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. And the tempter took him, took him to the holy city and had him stand on the highest point of the temple. And he said, if you are really the son of God, then throw yourself down, for it is written that he will command his angels concerning you, and they will lift you up in their hands, and you will not strike your foot against a stone. And Jesus answered, it is also written, do not put the Lord your God to the test. And again, the tempter took him to a very high mountain and he showed him all of the kingdoms of the world and all of their splendor. And he said, I will give all of this to you if you'll bow down and worship me. And Jesus said to him, get away from me, Satan, for it is, worship, it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve only God. Then the temptation left him, and the angels came and took care of him. I think the point that we get here is that to be human is to be tempted. Tempted to anger. Tempted to lust. Tempted to sloth. Tempted to stubbornness. Tempted to vengeance. And the list goes on and on and on. So how do you say no to temptation? How do you deal with this thing? That all of us have to deal with. Well, it's tough. And for one thing, we need to realize that temptation hits us where we are most vulnerable. And that means that your temptation may not be my temptation. And my temptation may not be your temptation. Susan Nielsen wrote a wonderful article in the Oregonian a while back in which she um, she said that her temptation was materialism. She talked about how she envied her neighbor's pool when she was a young girl. And she said it opened her mind to the idea of disposable income, of buying things you don't need and your neighbors can't afford. She said it was like meeting the devil himself in a swimsuit and a smile. And then she said, I've been running from that devil ever since. After college, she worked on luxury yachts for a while, and she said that the devil worked beside me as a, as a deckhand. Some of the yacht owners flew private jets, while others merely flew first class. And then she moved to Oregon, and she bought a house and spent a solid year gloating about the fact that she owned a washer and dryer. And that ability to do laundry at any hour was a significant improvement to her quality of life. And then she says, the devil stopped by one day with a welcome basket and a little gossip. The neighbors have central air conditioning, he said. People down the street have a landscaper. The couple across the street, they buy gourmet cheese for $12 a pound. They use a, a doggy daycare and their bathroom is tiled and, and their wine collection is amazing. She says, I almost cried myself to sleep on my futon. She says this about the tempter. He loves to sell the American dream as, scarce, as a scarce commodity. He loves hinting that if I don't try harder to be rich, then I'll end up being poor. 
And this is why we have that same conversation now that we did 25 years ago next to that swimming pool of the girl whose face I barely remember. I tell him I'm blessed with everything I need, and he laughs in a voice that is as old as money and says, that's not enough. And you know, for many people, it's not enough. There's that constant voice that says, more, more, more. You see, all of us have a point where we're vulnerable to temptation. Some of us are weak at one point and others are weak at another point. And temptation always hits us where we are most vulnerable. It came to Jesus when he was fasting for 40 days and 40 nights and he was hungry. He was offered bread. It came to Jesus while he was pondering the mission on which he was about to embark, the mission of sacrificial service, and he considered taking a shortcut. Throw yourself off the pinnacle of the temple and let the angels catch you. That'll get their attention. It's a whole lot easier than hanging on a cross. Let me give you all the kingdoms of the world. That's a lot quicker than working through generation of generation of those fickle disciples of those of yours to build up this kingdom. You see, temptation always approaches us where we are most vulnerable. But Jesus didn't give in, and neither should we. So what can we learn about dealing with temptation from Jesus' experience here? Let me suggest three things. First of all, know the Scripture. Know the Scripture. It's interesting in our story, one of the things that the tempter did in dealing with Jesus was he quoted Scripture to him. Of course, he took it out of context. But Jesus knew that because Jesus was well-founded in the Scripture. And that's important. I'm told that Farmers in Minnesota used to hear advertisements for Babcock B-300s. Now, what is a Babcock B-300? I'm glad you asked. Babcock B-300s were a special breed of chickens that were supposed to lay more eggs than any other breed of chickens. But what was really interesting was that the fellow who developed them, his name was Monroe C. Babcock, and he had a theory that chickens would produce more eggs if farmers read their Bibles more and went to church more. And here's his theory. He believed that people who knew the love of God would be more loving and kind to other people and even to the animals on their farms. And happy chickens produce more eggs. Now, I cannot really even speculate about the effects of Bible reading on chickens. And I'm I'm not certain at all that there's any research out there that's been done on this subject, but I think the rest of Babcock's theory is spot on. Because, folks, people who read their Bibles and go to church, people who know the love of God and really know it, surely they will be more loving and kind to others. And maybe even to the animals on their farms, I don't know. TV host Greg Laurie interviewed a woman from the Survivor TV show. She was told that she could bring five things with her to the location of the shoot. And one of the things that she wanted to bring was her Bible. But the Survivor producer said, no, you can't bring your Bible that's already been done. 
Somebody else already did that. You have to bring something different. And so she went to the island without her Bible and with no Christian relationship. And she watched what happened to her life. She fell right off the table. Her character began to change. The way she talked began to change. The the words that she used began to change. The attitudes that she displayed towards others began to change. The jealousy, the hatred, all of it immediately came into her life. And she told Greg, "I, I didn't realize how weak I was. And folks, listen to this. We're all weak. We're all weak. And that's one reason we need to immerse ourselves in the Scriptures. It's so that we can have a system of support in place during our time of testing. The second thing we can learn is that we need to stay as close to our Christian friends as possible. You see, we're always more vulnerable to temptation when we're alone. Did you notice that the the woman on the survivor program, she said that she was without her Bible and with no Christian relationships. That's when we are most vulnerable. Temptation came to Jesus when he was alone out in the wilderness. Temptation came to Simon Peter when he was alone beside the fire in the courtyard. Temptation came to Judas when he was away from the other disciples. And that's when we're most vulnerable heard about a young man from a rural family who went to the, the city to get a job, but before he left, his mother said to him, son, I want you to promise me that you'll go to church on Sunday. And so he said, yes, I'll do that, mom. I promise. He went to the city. He worked his first week at, at his job in the city, made some new friends, and on the weekend, his new friends invited him to go horseback riding on Sunday. But he remembered his promise to his mom, and he He said, sorry, guys, I can't do that. But they continued to pressure him. Come on, oh, come on, it'll be okay. You'll have fun. It'll be a great day. And and after a while, he agreed to go. And and that Sunday morning came, and they began their ride on the horses. And and then around 11 o'clock in the morning, they rode near a church. And the bells were ringing, announcing the morning worship services. And in his mind, he was seeing his mom and his dad walking into their little church back home. And he remembered his promise to his mother, but he just kept on riding. But he noticed that as he rode on, he he noticed that the sound of the bells grew fainter and fainter. And finally, the young man stopped his horse and he said, Guys, I come from a Christian family and my mom asked me to promise her that I'd be in church today. And I've noticed that As we've been riding, the church bells have been getting fainter and fainter. And if I ride any more, I won't be able to hear them at all. And I'm going to go back while I can still hear the bells. It's a simple story. But you know what? It contains a profound truth. Because you see, when we drift away from worship, when we drift away from the fellowship of the church, we are in danger of not being able to hear the bells when we need to hear them the most. So how do you stop temptation? Know the Scriptures. 
Stay close to your Christian friends. And finally, stay as far away from any compromising situation as you can get. Lead me not into temptation, sang Laurier White. I already know the road all too well. And that's kind of the problem, isn't it? If we give temptation just the least little bit of room in our lives, then resisting it becomes all that much more difficult. I heard about an African tribe that learned an easy way to capture ducks in the river. You see, the, the tribesmen would go upstream in the river and they put a pumpkin in the river and let it float so slowly down the river into a flock of ducks that were on the river there. Well, at the first, the ducks would see this pumpkin coming down the river and they were afraid of it because they never saw pumpkins floating down the river. And, they, and so they flew away. But the persistent tribesmen would float another pumpkin down the river after the ducks had regathered on the river there. And again, they'd kind of scatter only to return after the pumpkin passed by. And, and so again, the hunters would float their pumpkins down the river. And, but this time, the ducks would just stay there and they'd just kind of step out of the way or f- swim out of the way and, and look at it very cautiously. And, and after each successive passing of the pump, pumpkin, the ducks would become more and more comfortable with the pumpkin until they finally just accepted the pumpkins as a normal part of life. Pumpkins float down rivers. So when, then when, when they saw that the pumpkins no longer bothered the ducks, the tribesmen hollowed out pumpkins and put them over their heads and walked out into the river right into the middle of the flock of ducks and pulled them down one by one. Dinner? Roast duck. Well, that's how temptation works, isn't it? It normally does not attack us head on. It begins with small compromises, small pumpkins floating by, a few dollars out of the till, a wink, a smile, a phone call. And before you know it, we're roast duck. So how do you deal with temptation? Know the Scriptures. Be faithful in worship and in church fellowship opportunities. And stay as far away from temptation as possible. And pray, along with Jesus, lead me not into temptation, but deliver me from evil. Amen. Let us sing our closing hymn, number 320, Turn Your Eyes Upon Jesus. And if our eyes are on Jesus, you know what? We're looking in the right direction. And if our eyes are on Jesus, we're not looking at those things that can tempt us away from Jesus. So let's think about that as we sing together. Turn your eyes upon Jesus, and let's make that the prayer of our lives.
Oh God, we have come into your presence, some of us bleary-eyed from lack of sleep, and it was certainly tempting to stay home today, but you have blessed us. For to be in your presence, along with your people, is indeed a blessing. Protect us, O God, as we leave this place. Keep us from temptation and encourage us to do good in your name. Amen. 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 Amen.